0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 10 of the Debt Free Dad podcast. You know, believe it or not, there are some common beliefs about debt and money that are actually lies, like they aren't true. Now, you may have heard the term truthiness, but what does that even mean and why does it matter to you when it comes to having success with money and getting out of debt? Find out in today's episode. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now, here's your host, Debt-Free Dad,
0: Brad Nelson. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to today's show. I am Brad Nelson, Defray Dad. You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. We got so many people who are jumping on those social media sites and uh, chatting with us. It is so exciting to meet some of you, talk about some of your financial goals. So if you haven't yet, find us on one of those platforms, the one you enjoy most, and uh, let's hang out. Let's get to know each other a little bit. Today, we are talking about this term or this word called truthiness. So as we get started, let's kind of talk about where this idea came from. And what truthiness is. Now, the following are a few excerpts from the book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And if you have not read this book, I highly recommend that you check it out. It is a fantastic book. uh, And it really kind of focuses on, you know, really fine-tuning your life and focusing on the most important things that you should be working on and paying attention to to get and have the life that you want to live, be successful, and be the person that you want to be. And it's about kind of drowning out and getting rid of all of the extra distractions and only focusing on the most important thing. And here is what Gary shares in his book and how this relates to this word truthiness. He says, Mark Twain once said, it ain't what you don't know that gets into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. He says, in 2006, Merriam-Webster allowed site visitors to nominate candidates and subsequently Vote on the word of the year, and the winner by a 5-to-1 landslide was truthiness, a word comedian Stephen Colbert coined as truth that comes from the gut, but not from books. And in an information age driven by round-the-clock news, ranting talk show, radio, and editless blogging, truthiness captures all of the incidental, accidental, and even intentional falsehoods that sound just truthy enough for us to accept as true. Now the problem is is we tend to act on what we believe even when what we believe isn't anything that we should. This gets even more interesting. Check out what Gary said even further. He says, the real solutions we seek are almost always hiding in plain sight. Unfortunately, they have, unfortunately, sorry, they have usually been obscured by an unbelievable amount of bunk, an astounding flood of common sense that turns out to be nonsense. He goes on further and he says, ever hear your boss evoke the frog in boiling water metaphor? You know, you guys know the story. You know, you toss a frog into a pot of hot water and it will jump right out. But if you place it in lukewarm water and slowly raise the temperature, it will boil to death. Crazy enough, this is a lie, (laughs) a very truthy lie, but a lie nonetheless. Anyone ever tell you of a fish stinks from the head down? Not true. Just a fish tail that actually turns out to be fishy. Have you ever heard about the explorer Cortez who burned his ships on arriving at the Americas to motivate his men? And as a little backstory, and this is not part of it, he motivated his men. He didn't want them to have this feeling that there's a way out. Like they had a fight, but that story is also not true. Another lie. Over time, myths and myths truths get thrown around so often they eventually fall familiar and start to sound like the truth. And we start basing important decisions around them. So again, these are just a few excerpts from the book "The One Thing" by Gary Keller. I will reference that in the show notes. So we just want to be very clear that that is not our content. We're just sharing some great content from this book. Ryan actually uh, decided to write up this episode. And Ryan, I want to kind of just uh, go to you real quick. I want you to you know maybe explain what were your thoughts behind this. Why do you think? covering this word truthiness, especially as it relates to money and personal finance was important uh, to put on this show? My whole life, you know, you've heard things, you
1: know, whether it's about debt or, you know, just lots of little facts, little information you pick up. And I think as I've grown and matured and I'm a little older and wiser now, um, and especially through my debt journey, I really started thinking through um, why do I believe the things I believe? Like, is it it, did somebody just say this and I just took it as the truth and then I'm the one going on and on. And I'm, I'm now spouting this kind of truth. It kind of sounds good. Someone says something to you and it's like, Oh yeah, that that Makes sense. That sounds like the right thing to do, but you never fact check it. You never really research like where that person got that information from. And typically that person got information from someone else who got it from someone else. And so it just kind of became accepted as this is just the way life is. And so I just really started diving into what are some of these firmly held beliefs I had about money? Um, and where did they come from? And it's just, it's a lot of nonsense. It's a lot of stuff that I believe, um, is just not necessarily true. There's some truth to a lot of it, but it's very little. And a lot of the, a lot of the other stuff, like in that book says it's just stuff that has come from the gut of other people of what's actually true and not true.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm a big fan of challenging everything. In fact, uh, I don't know if you can see it. Actually, yeah, right on the side of my uh, laptop here, I have the actual saying. It says "Think Different," and that whole statement is just about kind of what we're going to talk about here in today's podcast. It's it's questioning everything that you know about money, and uh, and and challenging that stuff, and and we think what you're going to find, and we're going to go through a lot of these here today, we think what you're going to find is going to be pretty shocking and pretty surprising. And uh, for some of you, some of you, maybe not. Some of you might already know some of these things, but uh, but for a lot of you, I know for me, just like Ryan, and I'm sure just like Amber, Amber, you can you know obviously mention and, and your feelings on this, there, there's a lot of stuff that I learned as I started studying this personal finance stuff that I was just like, wow, I was like way off. Why was I off though? I just kind of knew this stuff, but how did I really know it? And where did it even come from? And it really kind of comes from society, our parents, how we were raised, and and all of those things. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about nine truthiness statements when it comes to debt and money. And the first one is, the first truthiness statement is, Debt is just a way of life, and everybody has it. (laughs) I can't tell you how many people, since I've started this coaching business, and even prior to this, when I just started getting out of debt and talking about this whole journey of getting out of debt, how many people just blatantly would come out and say, but debt is just normal. It's just a part of life. And how many people have heard this and have really kind of bought into that thinking?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, It's always been the norm everybody's just You're just going to be in debt. You're going to live with debt. You're going to die with debt. That's just been my normal growing up anyways. Um, Even with my student loans, it was, you know, I, I told my husband when we first got together that, oh yeah, that's just my student loan payment. I'll just have that for the rest of my life. I just thought for, I would have this student loan payment forever. It was just the normal thing. Everybody who got student loans, that's what we did. And that's how we would live. So it, I don't know where it came from, but that's what I thought.
1: (laughs) I don't know about you. I mean, I know growing up, I mean, I heard this from my parents. I remember I remember hearing this statement of, you know, you just, you'll always need like a credit card or, you know, you just doesn't matter no matter what I do. Um, you know, I'll get everything paid off and then something happens and I'm right back in debt. Um, or just growing up with other people of, you know, you just, just buy the car. I mean, everyone has a car payment. It's just what you do. I mean, you just have debt. So I I don't know about you too, but I mean, I, I, it was reinforced in me forever. I mean, through advertising and TV and people I know is just, it's just normal.
0: And those are the, you know, those are really the, the big reasons why people doubt that they could ever get out of debt, have financial freedom, and even have any sort of success uh, with their money is it's, it's marketing. It's how we were raised And it's this social influence that we're always a part of, and you know when we're always constantly surrounded by this stuff, it's easy to believe that statement. In fact, when I even teach, when I do a workshop, or when I get up on stage and talk in front of people, I tell people straight up, it's like, look, you guys are all going to think I'm crazy for some of the stuff that I'm going to share with you here today. But at the same time, (laughs) I was the one in your seat many years ago saying this stuff's crazy, this is impossible, and so I mean we've we've all kind of come from that background, but. The real truth is that financial freedom isn't possible when you're buried by a bunch of payments and debt and debt has just become so marketed to us in a way that we really ultimately just believe this lie. And there's so many people that ultimately just believe they're going to die with debt. They're always just going to have it. And, and that's just not true. You can make a different choice. You can handle your money differently. Now, is that going to be hard? Sure. It's going to, it's going to be hard to overcome some of the beliefs and a lot of the behavior stuff that we talk about and focus on in this podcast, but it is possible. I mean, all three of us are proof that it's possible to live a different life and and not have to live with payments and debt forever. It's just, it's just, it's just a lie.
1: You know, I think it's important as you kind of think through this and you think through like why you think these things about money, especially debt and the way you've been marketed to, this has been, you know, heavily probably for 70 years now, the the debt uh, industry has trained you to think this way. And so from they, they've done a phenomenal job of turning people. I mean, just think like if you, and I, I think I've said this before in another podcast, but it just blows my mind that how good of a job they've done that people see no other way to do anything, but to buy the product of debt. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job. They've, they've made everybody believe it. And there's, they not, that they can't, they believe it to the point that believing in any other way is impossible. And that's just, it is amazing.
0: It is. It's almost, it is fascinating. It really, really is when you really look at it and uh, and and you hear normal people talk and, and just they don't see any other way. Right. You're absolutely right. Number two, we kind of lumped a couple of these into number two and we could honestly break these out a little bit, but for time's sake, we're going to kind of lump them into number two. Uh, money is bad. You shouldn't talk about money and people who have money are evil right <laughs> uh, i see this one on facebook time and time again if if you're successful with money you're an evil person you just and, or you shouldn't talk about money it's rude to talk money i mean i mean ryan i remember our parents kind of talking about that even when we were kids you know you don't you don't really openly talk about money or or in front of people and it's like all of this stuff is a lie All right, It is an absolute lie. Uh, That's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is to open up this conversation. It's one of the main kind of missions that we have here is to open up the conversation about money Uh, because too many people are living paycheck to paycheck and they're hiding behind closed doors and they don't have to. There is other ways to have success with money and personal finance and and too many people just lack education and that's what we're trying to do is educate uh, as many of you as we possibly can on, on what's worked for us. And the other thing is, is this whole evil thing. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, guys, I mean, money just magnifies the actual person itself, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately what's happening. If, if you're a jerk and, and there's been other finance experts that have kind of used this same statement before and other, you know, self-development people, but ultimately if you're a jerk when you're broke and if you ultimately do the hard work and become successful with your money. You're going to be even a bigger jerk when you've got money. I mean, it doesn't change the person. Um and I don't I just don't believe that. And you know, it's if you're a nice person when you're broke and you like to say give or help out other people, money is only going to allow you to be able to be more of who you are by giving and being able to help out more people. So I, I, it's not money. That's the problem. It's, it's the character problem or the character flaw within the person itself. I believe.
1: I mean, if you, if you want to just see if the, if people really don't like to talk about money, I mean, I go have a conversation with somebody. I mean, even since we started this podcast, I've had some conversations and kind of talked that, oh, I'm doing this podcast and it's uh, personal finance debt-free dad. And it's like a pin drops because <laughs> it, it's just people don't, they just don't want to talk about it. But I will say for me, at least um, talking about it and was the way to own the problem. So I would say if you're sitting here and you don't want to talk about it, I know people are embarrassed and you have all these fears. But to me, once I started talking about it and I, I remember being, I think I've said this in another podcast, I remember being in a church group and bringing it up for the first time and saying something. And it was awkward and it, it was not fun, but it really helped us own the situation from that point forward. Once we talked about it. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. As much as it's a taboo topic or you think it's a taboo topic, um, you'd be surprised when you do open up and start talking about money, who, who, is willing to open up with you as well. Um, you know, you never know because they're just too nervous to bring it up to you, but you never know who's going to be open and willing to talk about it. And uh, even then look for like-minded people. Seriously, there are so many people out there that can be like-minded like you and they want to open up and they want to help each other. So you really can't find support out there. You just got to, you really got to talk about it.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's, yep. that's one of the reasons why we have our free Facebook group, Live Without Payments. So, I mean, if you're looking for a resource out there, it's absolutely free. Join that group. We are starting this conversation with a lot of people and helping people open up, ask questions, get answers. And also, kind of like what you said, Amber, this is an opportunity when you join a Facebook group like this or, or some sort of a group is to see that you're not the only one who has royally messed this up, right? <laughs> it, it happens. Like, all three of us, we've recorded a podcast and talked about all the stupid things that we've done before. And uh, it, it's it's so it's easy to sit there and think that, you know, I'm the only one that's messed this up and I'm the worst one. But in reality... When I coach people, we all have a lot in common with the same types of mistakes that we have made. And, uh, you know, joining a group, having that support so support system definitely opens up the the conversation. And the fact that it's okay and it's okay to accept that you don't know everything that you should about money. Most people don't, but they hide behind it and uh, you don't have to. So there are ways to uh, to get that help that you need. Number three, I like this one. <laughs> I used to think this one myself. <laughs> you're approved. <laughs> hmm. You must be doing well if you're getting approved for debt. And this is just the furthest thing from the truth. And not only are you approved, but you can you might also get, say, a credit limit increase on your credit card. And you might get that letter in the mail or that email that says, hey, congratulations, we've just increased your limit on your credit card. Thanks for being a great customer, right? And ultimately what they're really saying at the end of the day is that you are a good target for more debt. (laughs) is is really what they're looking at. And they're saying, you know, this person looking at their statistics and the insights on their account, you know, they would probably be more likely to use even more credit if we gave it to them and they've been paying on time. Let's dangle the carrot a little bit, right?
2: Yeah. I can't relate to this one, Brad. I had I was broke and had bad credits. So <laughs> <laughs> I did not get approved.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think though, that this is a, this is one of those areas where people, um, you know, if you're going, whatever it is, if you're going to buy a car and you get approved, there is this sense of when you get approved, this um, feeling of, oh man, I got approved and they trust me that I'm going to pay this back. And so I'm, you know, and it, it, it is this sense of feeling like you are doing the right thing because they wouldn't loan money to people that can't pay it back.
0: That's the other thing. Yeah. Be real careful when you're getting these approvals, because the car companies, these finance companies, mortgage companies, I mean, like any of these people who are loaning your money, they're not looking at your entire financial situation for the most part. They're looking at, can you just make this one payment? And does your credit show that you're able to, and, and responsible enough to make that one payment? And You can't base that on the fact that you're doing well overall financially. And I used to base it on that. And I was very, very broke, like had no money in a savings account, had nothing but debt and payments. And living paycheck to paycheck, and I was getting approved left and right. So uh, this is one, again, one of those truthiness statements is that you're approved, you must be doing well, and that's just not the case. You've got to dig deeper. Uh, Doing well means that you aren't living paycheck to paycheck. Doing well means that you uh, have little to no debt. You are able to save for your future and do the things that we're talking about here throughout this podcast. Those are going to be some signs of of good financial health, not the fact that you can take on more and more debt. That leads us on to number four, which is kind of along the same types of lines. But a lot of people believe, and, and again, I'm in the same boat. I used to believe this too, that having a good credit score means that you're also doing well With your personal finances. And here's ultimately what a credit score means. It means that you're good at making payments for the most part and playing with debt. That's really all it is at the end of the day. If you look at the credit score and how the FICO score is made up, it all relates back to debt. And we're not sitting here arguing with the credit score or not. We're just telling you what it is. It is a report card on how well you play with debt. So what does that mean? That means like you could be like me many years ago who had a fantastic credit score, great credit score, and still be completely broke. (laughs) And I was one of those people. And again, had multiple credit cards, brand new cars, student loans, mortgage. I mean, just all of this stuff and literally had no money in the bank. And I was counting on every single cent from that next paycheck to make all those payments I had signed up for. But if you looked at my credit score, I would look absolutely fantastic. But again, a credit score isn't scoring me on my ability to save. It isn't scoring me on my ability to budget and live below my means. It isn't scoring me on my ability to save for my future and save for retirement or save for my kids' college and and being financially responsible. All it's scoring me on is is playing with debt. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but what was your experience with and now Amber, you did just kind of let the cat out of the bag about your credit score. You said you had I bad credit. Did. It was
2: <laughs> it was all bad. <laughs> I needed a co-signer to get my used car. That's it was bad.
1: yeah I uh I remember and so I mean I remember I mean I never had a terrible credit score it was probably so so um still good enough to like go buy a car but I remember going to buy a car a new car and them denying me and I was just confused because my credit score said I had a good had good a decent score and I didn't understand that you know just because my credit score was good it really didn't mean anything you know, didn't from, from that standpoint, I mean, I was still broke. I was broke and they knew, I mean, they, at that point, even the car dealership knew I was broke, but I still was attributing how well I was doing to that credit score.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, whether you're a fan of the FICO score, not a fan of the FICO score, it doesn't matter. Ultimately at the end of the day, the point of what we want to share with you is that your financial health is not just based on your FICO score. It there's a lot more involved in it. And again, it all comes down to not living paycheck to paycheck, being able to save a certain percentage of your income every single month, being able to you know save for retirement and do the things that you want to be able to do. And, and really, ultimately, at the end of the day, when you want something kind of like what we opened up the podcast with with number one is that you're not constantly relying on debt to help you make your dreams become a reality. Like when you want to go buy a car, you're not always just relying on payments all the time. Or when you want to go on vacation, you're not swiping the card. You know, you're able to actually save and and be fiscally and financially responsible and having money in the bank and being able to pay cash for a lot of things that you want to do. Let's move on to number five of the truthiness statements. And that is used cars are on reliable (laughs) and i deal with this one still to this day and again i was at fault for this uh i think we've we've mentioned this on this podcast uh, a few times now but uh between the ages of like 18 and 30 i had uh purchased anywhere between 11 and 12 vehicles and that's about one car a year and most of those cars were brand new uh just uh just dumb and Uh, I think where I got this idea from was uh, my parents, for sure, (laughs) and my parents always bought brand new cars, and I remember them always saying, you don't ever want to buy a used car and buy somebody else's problems, and uh, people don't take care of their stuff, and, and you want that warranty with that new car, so when I became an adult, guess what? I bought into that same type of philosophy, and that philosophy really caused me some financial stress as I went throughout my early adulthood. There's no question. You know, for me growing up and I think depending if you're
1: younger, you probably haven't experienced this as much, but, you know, going back to the seventies and eighties, you know, cars were just a different, it was a little different then. I mean, cars, if you got a hundred thousand miles out of your car, it was good. It was considered that you got a good amount of time out of that car at the time. They, they did have different problems and people kept their cars longer as well. So I think understanding like we're not saying that if you buy a used car, it'll never be unreliable. Yes, there are, it is still possible. You could buy an unreliable used car, but the times nowadays, most of the time we're not saying go buy a 15 year old car, but if you're buying a three or four year old vehicle, a lot of times you're buying a car that's got probably less than 50,000 miles on it and it's because someone else traded up or their lease ended. And so it's not the old days where you're going to buy a car that's 10, 12 years old that someone's getting rid of. You're buying pretty new cars um, and pretty and, and very reliable. I've had great success buying used cars.
2: Yeah, yep. the car I have right now is, I think I've had it for seven years now and we bought it used. Um, and I remember standing in my in my. uncle's kitchen telling him you know I'm never when I was going through this paying off debt thing I said I'm not buying a new car I don't want that payment in my driveway anymore um I'm and I don't want even a loan for a used car so I'm gonna pay cash and he's like well no you're gonna need a new car someday that one's gonna die I'm like yeah but I'm gonna pay cash and he kept pushing this this thought that I had to have a new car when my car finally died (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't understand.
0: <laughs> yep. People are pretty shocked to find out that I drive an 18 year old pickup truck. <laughs> I drive, I drive a 2002 Chevy Silverado, and my wife, she drives a 2005 Ford Explorer, and we paid very little for these vehicles. Uh, the truck that I bought was from uh, an older gentleman. He was a farmer, and he ended up not being able to drive anymore. It had less than a hundred thousand miles on it. And yeah, I mean, it had some, you know, character flaws and things, a little bit of rust here and there, but for me, it's like the small amount of money I'm going to pay on that truck and I'm going to be able to keep that truck for years, the The little bit of money that we've had to put in for the upkeep, uh, I'm able to then take the money that I'm not wasting on a car and putting it into retirement, putting it into opening and expanding this business and creating more income and and I, I just see way too many middle-class families taking too much of their income and sticking it into a five or $600 car payment every single month. That's just, and, and some of them have, are doing that t- twice. You know, they've got, you know, anywhere between eight, nine thousand, twelve hundred 1200 a month. And these are on, these aren't, these numbers are not uncommon. I see them all the time going out to these new cars. So uh, this is again, this is a tough, we're actually going to have a whole podcast episode on the whole car thing. Uh, This is a tough one to overcome guys. This mindset of, of this new car versus old car. It was, it took me a while. It was a very nerve wracking thing. I know when I got my used car, that 1996 Toyota Corolla that I bought, I was scared to death because again, I kept going back to that whole thing in the back of my mind. Like, oh, Mm. this thing's going to put me on the side of the road and I'm never going to, you know, it's, it's going to cost me a lot of money to keep up and fix and, that hasn't been my experience at all buying used cars. Also just one more point on this is
1: um, I think a lot of times we make unreliable in our mind, we make it unreliable in our minds. You know, we, we say, when we say unreliable, what do you mean? I think sometimes we tend to think, well, we, we, we put all these things that haven't happened out that are maybe going to happen. And so it like, well, it, it's probably going to need a transmission. Well, it, More than likely won't. But so you put all these things out there that these are all the reasons why you don't want new. And and these are all the things that I heard, too. Like, don't buy a used car. You're going to have to put transmission. You're going to have to put off. So then you avoid it because you're worried about what might happen, not the reality of what does
0: happen. So uh, lots of great stuff. So, guys, we got a couple more that we're going to be hitting on here in uh, just a minute. We're going to get to a commercial break here. Just uh, stay tuned. Hey, many people I work with want to get out of debt. And many of them are also looking for ways to rid themselves of financial stress and finally being able to get to the point where they can start saving some money. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That's why I created this free course, 10 Easy Money Saving Ideas that you can start today. Literally, you can start using these tips today. And when you join, you're going to get a free downloadable PDF guide that walks you through all the tips. Not only that, but we're also going to give you 10 video lessons that walk you through every single tip in more detail. Also, we're gonna give you some action items that you can start to begin to make some changes that are gonna help you save more money and fill up that piggy bank. So head on over to the real debtfreedad.com, click on tools and courses in the menu and get free access to this course today. Hey guys, welcome back. So today we are talking about some common beliefs about debt and money that are actually lies. And there is a special word for these lies called truthiness. And we are going through nine truthiness statements about money and personal finance and debt that just aren't true. So number six, Amber, you know this about me. This is probably one of my <laughs> most favorite ones to talk about, but uh, I love this one so much. I, ha- I can't believe how many people believe this. And again, I fell, I fell in the same boat a long time ago, but just doing this now for a living, it's so crazy how many people really genuinely believe this, that you need a credit card for emergencies, for renting a car and booking a hotel. (laughs) And I'm just going to say that is a big probably maybe one of the biggest, fattest lives out there. <laughs> you, you do not need a credit card to do these activities. I Because I've lived it. I, I've done it all myself.
2: I mean, there are companies, though, that will give you a hard time, but you can still do it without a credit card, um, whether that's a cash deposit and you get it back when you go um, back and check out or bring the car back. But it's, it's doable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, uh, I was, I had the, A great opportunity last spring to uh, partner up with a company. We did a, a speaking event through 20 cities. Some of those were in Canada. I even visited Amber when we were in Canada and a lot of the cities here in the U.S. And I don't have a credit card for my business. I just use a debit card. And I traveled outside of the country, inside of the country, stayed at plenty of hotels, probably booked at least anywhere between 30 to 40 flights. Um... And I did it all with a debit card and I had no issue. I even rented some cars during that trip or during some of those trips. And like Amber said, yeah, there are a few instances where you've got to plan ahead a little bit when it comes to some of that stuff. But to, to, to say that you absolutely can't do it with a debit card is just false. And I've been doing it for the last 10 years because I haven't had a credit card in 10 years. And, and, I live just fine. I've been to Jamaica. I've been to Mexico. I've been, I mean, I've been all over, and, and I've used a debit card for all of it and have just never had any issues with it. So I always question this when people are so adamant about, like, this whole credit card thing because I just don't see the issue just because I've never experienced any problems with it. Well, I think
1: it comes down to, um, <clears throat> I mean, I've heard this, but it's just easier. It's easier with a credit card. Sure. And and it's and the bottom line, it of course it is. Credit cards make everything easier. That's the whole point of, that's why they have them. It's why they give you free points. It's why they give you miles. It's <laughs> why they they make it easy on purpose. I mean, so they've, when you're saying it's easier, just know that you've been sold that. That's not something you've discovered. You've been sold that through creative marketing that you don't figure, you can't, you can't figure out an easier way to do it than using a credit card.
0: And by, and you know, by the statement, we're we're not saying that you can't do it. We're just saying that it's not true that you have to have a credit card in order to do these things. Um, and even for, I think the biggest, the biggest one that I always hear is the car renting and, uh, you know, renting a car and I've rented a car with a plan where I've had, like I've called and made reservations, told them I was going to be using a debit card. It was no issue. Uh, like Amber said, they did put a small little deposit on there, uh, with any debit card and it was small. So I planned for it and prepared for it. And there's been some times where I needed an emergency car and just showed up at the rental car place with a debit card. And I was out within a half hour with a, with a car using a debit card. So it's just it's just not true. You can use a debit card and you don't have to fall for this trap that you have to have a credit card in order to do some of these things cuz it's just not true. Number 7, also one of my favorite ones as well is I need to buy a house because renting is throwing my money down the drain. <laughs> Ryan, what do you think about this one? Because you want, you put this on the list first. So I'm interested in your take on this. We've sold, you know, a larger house to
1: kind of get out of our, you know, to as kind of our big thing to try to get out of debt. It was kind of our big thing that we did to get us on the right track. But we bought this house and I think when we moved down, this house needed some repairs. And I think my the old way I used to think is just you just look at the payment every month. You look at what what the payment is, what your taxes are, what your insurance are, and you say, yes, I can afford this. Um, but then you don't start factoring in taking care of the house. And so um, a big part for me is we bought this house. And since we moved here six years ago now, um, we've had to fix the furnace. We had to replace a whole patio door in the back because it rotted out. Um, we just had to replace a water heater. We've probably spent 10,000 plus dollars in the past six years on just repairs and maintaining this house. Um, So that all has to be factored in when you purchase a home, you can't just go buy a home and just look at the payment because when that water heater breaks, if you're not planning to replace that, guess where that's going on a credit card Yep. or you're taking a loan out for it. And so you need to factor that in when between renting, because if your water heater breaks, when you're renting, your landlord is going to be replacing that, not you. You don't have to fork out that money. And so there's a lot of benefits in renting if you're looking at it strictly from a payment standpoint.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of people are somewhat shocked to find out that I rent our house still. And a big reason for that is, well, many years ago, uh, I haven't really, I don't think I've shared this on this podcast episode. Maybe I have. Uh, We went through a foreclosure when I got divorced, lost my house. And I pretty much swore off debt at that point. Like I'm just not going to mess around with debt. So in the interim anyways, I wasn't going to be able to qualify to get another home mortgage anyway. So I had to you know, go to renting, which by the way, that whole credit score where you need a good credit score to be able to rent. There is some truth again. There's some truthiness to that, but it's also somewhat of a lie because in all of the places that I've rented, they've never once ran my credit ever. Um, Maybe I just got lucky, (laughs) but, or, or maybe I just had enough financial proof that says, Hey, look at my giant savings account and I'm okay. Like I'll be happy to give you a larger security deposit, but I never required any of those types of things. But for us, the reason why we rent right now is because where we rent is really, really cheap. I can't actually, you know, I can't buy a house and pay the same amount of money. All right. And what my wife and I are focused on right now are building these businesses because in the future, our businesses are going to help us create more income and more money. And a house really doesn't do that. A house is really, when you think about it, at the end of the day, a house is really a liability because in in Ryan's situation, like he just mentioned, a house costs you money unless you're turning it into an investment property where you're going to start renting it out yourself and bringing that money in a house at the end of the day for you is a liability from day to day now in the long term it is a good investment because that's helping you you know put money into something that's going to have some value but it's not like having a savings account, you're not able to pull that cash out without just getting another loan to yourself and paying interest on those types of things. So the reason why we rent again, we are saving up for a substantial down payment. And ideally it is our goal to pay 100% cash for a house, 100% cash. That is our dream to do that. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, a house for us just isn't that important anymore. It really isn't in the grand scheme of our financial plan. We would much rather be able to put more money in savings and retirement and investments for our future than, stay stick it into a house payment right now. Now, that's just our goal. That doesn't have to be your goal. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that's why you know I love this truthiness statement because there is this idea out there that renting is a sin and that by renting, you're throwing your money away. And I just don't believe that that's true, as long as you have a good reason why you're renting. Now, if you're just renting to rent and you don't really have a good financial plan, there might be some truth to this statement. But if you're doing it with the intention of setting yourself up for success later in your future, I think it's a fantastic way for people to to have success. And again, I think there's too many people in this country that get themselves into a house and they can't afford the house. They can maybe like Ryan said, they can afford the payment, but they can't afford the other stuff that goes with it. In fact, there's a lot of roots members and people that I've coached throughout the years that have told me this that they have carpet that has holes in it or walls that have holes in it or bathrooms that are leaking and floors that are rotting or windows that are that are broken and they can't fix them because they don't have the money. Now that financial that financial uh, dream you know, that American dream that they're feeding us about having this house really kind of turns into a financial nightmare for a lot of people because they're not able to afford the upkeep on that house. So uh, I, I just not a true statement. Renting is not a sin. If you got a good plan.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we've been, um, we have been wanting to buy a house for a long time. Um, Thankfully we found roots before we jumped into that. Uh, because it just gave us the tools to be able to plan for it better. We, we are still renting, but now we have a plan for a large emergency fund, a large good down payment. Um, and we know what we need to do to budget to make sure that we're not talked into a house that's too big for our budget either. Cause we don't want that extra monthly payment that we really don't need.
0: All right. Let's talk about number eight. Number eight is right. I'm going to let you take this one over. I need this item, the truth in this statement of, I need this item. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, so for me, I think, you know, I think this just goes back to even what we just talked about. Um, I think you talk to people and they're like, you need to own a, you need to buy a house. If you want to have a stable financial future, you need to buy a house, um, or you need to buy a car because it's going to help you build your credit or you need to get a credit card because it's going to help you build your credit. I think there's a very, um, Again, I think it's just been through masterful marketing over the years. The lines of need and want have been very blurred, in my opinion. Um, I think people think they need all these things, and the reality is if you really boil it down and think through it, you just want it. You don't need a $30,000 car. You could buy a $10,000 car and get to work just fine. You want the $30,000 car, and you'll convince yourself, a whole bunch of ways like, well, I need it because I drive clients around and my clients, they got to think that I do this or they'll, they'll think this of me. And you, you make up all these reasons and excuses as to why you need these things. And so for me, I think this is a big one because I think as I really examined myself as we went through, I mean, I told myself all this all the time, like the house we bought had a fifth bedroom with an extra bathroom and we said we need this so when people come visit they have we justified our purchase <laughs> by convincing ourselves we needed it for a reason really we just wanted it we wanted it to impress those people so when they came stay with us they would have their own area in the house yeah it had nothing to do with need or really needing it, it had everything to do with wanting it but we just, I think this is what a lot of people go through. You just convince yourself of, well, oh, I need it. I yeah. need this purse. I need whatever it is. It is. You just need it.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's very, it's, and let's be clear. I mean, it's totally okay to want things. I mean, yep. you should enjoy your money. Like for instance, we, this past year, we, and I've mentioned this several times. We love camping. Our family is, we love camping. We're seasonal campers. It's like our thing to do. It's just what we love to do. And we had purchased a uh, 20-foot travel trailer, which is a little smaller of a travel trailer, but uh, then we ended up having our daughter, and we found out very, very quickly that the 20-foot travel trailer was a little bit tight. Was it impossible for us to manage that travel trailer? No. So what did we do? We wanted a bigger trailer, (laughs) and and (laughs) the reason is for the space, because it was more convenient. It was a lot more fun. It had a lot more features, but the difference between Brad today and Brad like 15 years ago is I didn't want myself into debt. We paid cash for it and we had a plan for it. And believe it or not, we had that same camper on our vision board for years and years and years before we actually had ever made that purchase. So, you know, we want to make sure we're clear. It's totally cool to want things, but just don't want them so bad that it's causing you and crippling you when it comes to your personal finances, because you could find yourself in some pretty deep trouble if you're not careful. All right, let's talk about the last one. Number nine: Making more money will solve my problems. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yep, again, I see. I think I've fallen for every single one of these at, at some point in my life. But making more money will not solve all of your problems if you don't have a good financial plan. If you if you can't manage the money you're currently making, what's to say that you're going to be able to manage the money that you want to make? It's just not going to happen. That is just a uh, it's, it's just a dream life you're living in. And what you're end up going to do and for most people do is they just increase their lifestyle without even knowing it. And before you know it, that whole entire pay increase that you got is is gone to more stuff and more payments.
2: I remember um, I stayed, going back to my student loans, <laughs> got out of college, got a job, got a better job, got a better job. The student loans, I was still making the same small Italy Italy payment, but <laughs> I was buying more stuff and I had more money. So it's the same thing. It's all in your behavior.
0: Hey, hey, what's exciting? I thought this was a party! Let's dance! Alright, it is that time of the show where we are gonna take some time to celebrate some amazing people's success and wins and taking action and doing a lot of stuff that we're talking about here. On the show, by the way, every time that comes on, I feel like we should have a dance party. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not going to happen over here. Brad.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, so those of you who don't know, Amber, we got to talk about this real quick. Amber. Oh, my gosh. Amber is a movie star. Amber, <laughs> can you share a little bit about what? No, you got to share this because you just said you don't dance, but it's proven it's on TV that you do.
2: <laughs> it's on Crave TV. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We were on a small little show here that's filmed in our city called Letter Kenny. And yes, we danced in the background. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) She shared it. It was awesome. She totally does dances. It's okay. It's not a big deal. All right,
2: let's get on to
0: some celebrations. First one is Tiana Swanson. This is a big one. It's very short, but it is to the point. Said no to loaning money. And uh, that that is huge. Yeah, especially friends and family. Uh, no is a complete sentence. So good for you, Tiana. That's awesome.
2: Lauren Jackson cooked dinner at home every night and tonight's was prep too.
0: Awesome. Way to go, Lauren. That's huge money saver, by the way, prepping. Yeah, Jessica
1: Herbst. Uh, I have a different perspective on money now and I haven't went out shopping on my hour break at work at all this week. Besides my necessities of milk and such. I used to go to Michael's at least twice a week and buy things. And I haven't. I also paid off my lowest
0: credit card with the extra money I had from this month. (laughs) Awesome. Way to go with Jessica. Huge behavior change. Jessica Lawrence started making some extra money driving with DoorDash. Making that her third job, awesome. Good for you. I'm also losing. I'm, I'm losing some sleep. <laughs> she says, but it's only temporary. Absolutely, and I love that she yep. says that. Temporary pain. What are you willing to sacrifice temporarily in order to win long term? And that's an awesome example. Way to go, Jessica.
2: And Samantha Johnson Bow canceled my monthly Ipsy subscription and started making my lunches for the week instead of eating out.
0: Awesome. Congratulations, Samantha. So there's just a sample of some of the people that are working hard on some of the things that we've been talking about here. And again, some of those, you know, as you're, if you're first listening to this, you might be like, well, that's not really that big of a deal. Believe it or not, those are some pretty awesome celebrations. It's all of those small little step forwards. It's those small behavior changes, those small habit changes that can drastically affect your personal finances uh, long-term. So congratulations to all of you. you. Hey, it is time for the question of the show. So if you have a question about your personal finances, please send us an email at brad at debtfreedad.com, And we would be happy to feature your question on our podcast. So today is a good question about weddings. So this question comes and it says, I'm getting married, but we are also getting out of debt at the same time. So they're doing a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here on this podcast they say, we don't want our payments holding us down as we begin our lives together. Good goal. I love that. How can we pay cash for a nice wedding, but also still at the same time be aggressive in paying off our debts? Who wants the first crack at this one? <laughs> I think Amber,
1: you'll have a great
2: perspective. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ryan. Um, no, I, I, I kind of... I do have an opinion on this one. Um, You can have a nice wedding without breaking the bank. Um, You can also do a lot of wedding prep on your own and ask for help from friends and family. Uh, They'll be more than willing. Honestly, a lot of people just want to jump in and help with any way they can. Um, But also getting a side hustle, something to earn extra cash on the side to cash flow your wedding. It doesn't happen overnight. You're gonna plan it so you can slowly cash flow it as you need to pay things um, like wedding dresses or or photographers and and different aspects of the wedding. You could slowly cash flow those. So really decide what's important to have at your wedding and what you're willing to cut out, and you could have a fantastic wedding with cash.
0: It's yep. Doable. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and uh, Amber pretty much has said everything that I would advise to you. I think the only other thing, suggestion that I would have for you is that it's okay to back off a little bit on your debt payoff plan if you're going to get married and and say you need a little bit of that money to be able to have the wedding that you want. It's totally okay. As long as it's within reason. You know, if you were to come to me and say you're trying to pay for a $50,000 wedding, but you're still trying to get out of debt at the same time, we might have a different answer for you. But if you're trying to be reasonable, and it sounds like with your question that you are, you're you're really kind of keeping track of, you know, the dollars and cents, how much you're putting towards debt, how much you want to spend on this wedding. If you've got to back off your plan for just a short period of time to allocate more money to the wedding side, that's totally fine. Um. I think one of the biggest mistakes that young couples make or any couples make is that they spend too much money on the wedding day and not enough money on the rest of their lives. And that's something that you really need to consider. And uh, And again, it all kind of comes back to having those financial conversations together as you guys are starting uh, your lives together, as you're engaged, how is money going to fit into your relationship? And there's a lot of people, again, when it comes to the truthiness statements that we've talked about, how many of people believe that a wedding just has to be this extravagant, super expensive thing? And it really doesn't. That, that kind of follows along with the same topic that we kind of covered here today. It doesn't have to be. Like Amber said, you can have a really fantastic wedding for a, a very good, reasonable price. Pay cash for it and not have that thing set you back even more in debt. So again, thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. Today was an excellent show. I had a lot of fun talking to Amber and Ryan about this truthiness stuff. Uh, Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. So again, we love your feedback, and it also helps us grow our podcast. Please leave us an honest review in Apple Podcasts. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the Debt-Free Dad Podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show and the content that we're sharing here... Hey, please share with them. We appreciate that. And we also appreciate you being a listener. And we look forward to seeing you in our upcoming podcast. Stay tuned. Thanks
1: for listening to the Debt Free Dad podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to com.